This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In her new book, God Needs No Passport, Immigrants in the Changing American Religious Landscape, our guest today, Peggy Levitt, argues that current debates about religion and immigration are based on assumptions that are out of sync with our national reality because they fail to grasp the strong connection between changes in immigration and changes in religious life. According to Levitt, today's immigrants are remaking the religious landscape by introducing new faith traditions and Asianizing and Latinoizing old ones. Levitt is an associate professor and the chair of the Department of Sociology at Wesley's College. Peggy Levitt, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. Now, how, what's the weather like in Concord today? It's hot. Yeah? Wow. <laughs> it's hot. How about where you are? Uh, well, you know, it's funny, but here in California, it's it's uh, been, we've had a mild August, I'd say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a little bit humid and, and hasn't gotten uh, too much above 83 degrees, and, yeah. and that's that's wonderful when you're here because August being uh, approaching the fall season for us is our, our fire season. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We're and, always hearing about that. Yeah, and it's also our, our mass murder season, too. That's, well. that's, 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 <laughs> we don't always hear about yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that's when uh, Manson went on his rampage. It just gets a little bit too hot it for is, some people to handle. Yeah. I see. I yeah. see. <laughs> that's one of Nathan's uh, theories, although I don't know. I don't know one if of my I, theories? I don't, I know, I've heard that, too, that the hot weather does impact people. Well, I notice there. people honk their horns more. I can tell you that <laughs> okay. much, and well, I think that gra- that's, the that's the progression the from horn honking to, to mass murder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So that, to break away from that, Tell us, why, why are Americans reluctant to recognize the, the changing religious landscape they, they live in? I mean, you've, you've written a book here that, that really is saying uh, there's a transnational nature to, to immigration and religion right now. And yet, especially here in Orange County where we live, uh, it's almost like we've turned the clock back to the 1950s. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that we are very kind of set in our ways of thinking about nations as having borders that are impermeable and that all the successes of a nation and all the problems of a nation are generated by um, forces that go on inside it. And yet, you know, all you have to do is look around you in any neighborhood in um, in L.A. or in San Diego to realize the very, very strong connections that people maintain to their homelands. And we tend to see um, becoming part of the United States and staying part of, of the place that you come from as opposites, when in fact they're really... Um, two processes that happen simultaneously and mutually reinforce each other. So what I've seen in, in the, um, the research I've been doing over the past 15 years is that people become part of this country. They buy homes here. They open businesses here. They join the PTA here at the same time that they're sending money back to their home countries to uh, also have a home or also invest in a business or also contribute to charity. And I think 
you know, we are moving in the right direction of people understanding that economics is global and politics is increasingly global, but we've yet to recognize that religion is just as global. And so that's sort of the second um, shift that needs to be made if we're really going to um, preserve and deepen religious pluralism. We need to see that it's shaped by forces outside our borders as well as inside our borders. Well, since that is the the second shift, it is suggesting, too, that it's probably the harder ship <laughs> to uh, to make it's some that religion is so ingrained in us well i think it, what's ingrained in us is to think about religion as fitting as fitting within a christian box mm-hmm. and so when we think about religion we think about it as consisting of bibles buildings and boys and by that i mean that People worship to get belong to a formal religious community, and they go to a formal religious building, and they worship together um, with someone at the front of the room, usually a a man, um, who's leading them uh, uh, around a shared canon. But when you when you talk with um, Hindus and Muslims and um, uh, Catholics from Latin America, um, religion doesn't fit within that. Christian box necessarily. It's not the the um, relationship between religion and culture is a lot more seamless than mm-hmm. we we tend to think of. We we have this idea of separation of church and state as so ingrained here, and so we don't realize that many people come from countries where um, religion is a you know is 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 as organic as living and breathing, and it spills over into the playground and into the workplace and into the schoolyard, and when you celebrate a quinceanera, a 15th birthday party as a as a Latino family, that that's a religious and a cultural act. So I think we need to sort of open up that Christian box and see that religion is a worldview, that people can't sort of separate um, being Irish from being Catholic or being Muslim from being Pakistani. And, and um, if we're going, again, if we're going to really preserve and enhance our religious pluralism, we need to open up that box. And that is a that is a discussion that was sort of underneath all of the immigration debates that we heard about in the last couple of months, but isn't really um, taken on directly, I think. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Peggy Levitt, and her book is God Needs No Passport, Immigrants and Changing and the Changing American Religious Landscape. I want to ask you, when immigrants come to this country, are they, are they more likely uh, to convert to a sort of an American church, or do they come here with a religion that they just, that they sort of embed into the American American social landscape? Well, I think that really varies. For a long time, um, social scientists talked about religion as sort of a evangelizing experience or say that the stressors of, of moving to a new place would make you become more more faithful and certainly religion offers lots of resources to help at every step along the way. Having said that, you know, people I, in God Needs No Passport, I found a whole range of um, relationships with existing denominations and then people bringing their own mm-hmm. faiths to this country. So, um, you know, ex- one example was Brazilian Baptists uh, from pretty conservative denominations um, finding a uh, finding community with uh, the American Baptists who are tend to be more liberal and um, and are not. Um, 
evangelical in their worship style don't believe in speaking in tongues or or in healing, but that they but because they have a, a commitment to tolerance, form they this these two groups formed a kind of covenant together um, under the shared experience of being Baptist. So you have very interesting kind of partnerships evolving that I think can lead to really um, you know. Uh, positive kind of ecumenical conversations. Mm-hmm. Are we different here in America in in that we're resistant to this kind of change, or is this just something that would happen in any country and it just happens here more because we're getting a lot of immigration? I actually think that in a, in the United States, we're very good at a corp- incorporating immigrants. That we, because we are a country of immigrants, and we um, we think about ourselves that way, um, we can we 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 do a pretty good job uh, compared to the struggles that are going on in Europe, for example, right now. Um, and and I think there's a way that um, to be American is to be religious. And so you know, think about how you see. Um, uh, uh, presidential candidates always uh, going to mass uh, or going to to church services on Sunday. You have to show that you are religious. Americans want their political leaders to be religious. Um, so I don't think that I, I think we actually do a, a good job of this. I guess what I'm arguing is that we need to do a better job of it and to open it up to a broader lens to understand that it's not just shaped by forces happening inside this country and that and to really embrace people who know how to be who know how to live in two worlds who know how to be religious diplomats meaning they can explain Islam and Hinduism to native born Americans and they can go back to Pakistan or India and explain this is how we are reinventing Islam or Hinduism in in the United States and it's a different variety and it has different um, roles for women and a different kind of or- religious organization and so they're bridge build- builders, they're translators, they're, um, they're at the cutting edge of, of what you, where you need to be in a global world. You know, being able to, to live with feet in two worlds is, is, is something that we need to celebrate rather than be afraid of. I, 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 want, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, in, in some ways I agree with you. I, I think the American public is probably more open to assimilating and to, to stretching out their religious boundaries, but... I can't imagine a presidential candidate uh, worshiping in a mosque right now. Well, I think we're going through a tough time, but yeah. don't forget, you know, John Kennedy was accused of, of uh, people thought that he would pay more allegiance to the Pope than he would to, um, to you know, to the United States Constitution. And so a lot of things change in 50 years, and yeah. we're, we're going through a very tough time. We had somebody a couple of weeks ago say a Hindu prayer to start the Senate session off. Yeah. It was greeted by protesters, but that's, that's yeah. a step forward, and... Uh, and and shows us how much farther we need to go. That that person was, if I'm not mistaken, essentially shouted down, weren't they? And, no, no, yeah. they completed. Did the they prayer complete the and, prayer? And okay. they, if you, it's up on YouTube, okay. by the way, yeah. too. Yeah. And it's yeah. it actually uh, the the, the uh, I don't know the, the the person who was saying the prayer, but mm-hmm. uh, he uh, you were persuaded by him, not by the uh, okay. people who were shouting him down. That's for sure. Well, yeah. I'm I'm cu- I'm curious about a couple things. I don't say this right um, that. Uh, the impact that that uh, immigration immigrants are having on American churches are are there 
people coming to uh, immigrants coming to America who establish their own church and try to maintain as much of the of the church feel that they had in the old country, mm-hmm. or are they more likely to try and join a, a new church? And I, I mean, an, an, uh, they're saying, they're tr- or they try to find a place here in 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 uh, sort of the established churches. Well, you see a whole range of of responses to that question. So, okay. you know. Uh, some uh, storefront Pentecostal churches are, um, you know, um, self-contained. They don't have a lot of connection to um, a bigger denomination. Whereas, um, take the example of the, squ- the Foursquare um, Church or uh, the Assemblies of God. It's likely that if somebody from Brazil belongs to one of those denominations and comes here, they're going to come with a letter of introduction to their um, to a, a congregation in the Northeast and try to join that congregation. And those congregations have all kinds of um, religious architectures. In other words, sometimes it's a multi-ethnic congregation where people worship together, and sometimes it's a congregation where there's an English-speaking congregation and a... Um, and a, a, a Spanish-speaking con- congregation or a Portuguese-speaking congregation. So it's really, it's not just a question of of what immigrants want to do. It, it depends upon where they move to right. and what the local religious landscape looks like and what, what possibilities there are for them to be integrated into and then who that who that ends up sitting them yeah. next to on Sundays. You know, is it a co-ethnic? Is it a, is a pan-ethnic experience? So in a lot of Catholic churches, you see, um, you know, people from El Salvador praying next to people from Peru, or is it uh, sitting you next to a native-born uh, Catholic? And so, you know, each of those have their own implications for what kinds of resources, what kinds of political socialization you get by going right. to a religious community, what kinds of messages you get about how to be an American. So I don't think there's any one pattern. Yeah, the reason I'm asking this, I seem to be sort of fixated on it, is uh, a lot of the the, the, uh, the the issues that come up in terms of immigration have to do with assimilation, and you just touched on that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I guess, I'm, would you make the argument that, that, that the churches are, the, in some ways, the first place of where people assimilate? Is that the first institution that you find immigrants beginning to become quote-unquote, American? I wouldn't say it's the first, but I'd say it's an an important place. And that, you know, but um, I know you were interested in uh, talking about some of these um, megachurches that Mm -hmm. you see out in California. Um, I think that, um, you know, the the kind of assimilation that goes on uh, in in these kinds of communities, the kinds of of sort of um, less, civics lessons that you're getting, or lessons about America that goes on that go on in congregations, um, you know, very significantly, and that it's matched by what you're learning by living in the neighborhood that you live in, what you're learning by you know the workplace that you're going to, and so those are all powerful um, uh, training grounds about becoming part of the United States. We're speaking with Peggy Levitt. The book is God Needs No Passport. Uh, what, what's your impression of the big box churches? Is that a good place to uh, to worship? Well, I think uh, I think two things about those those churches. One is that it shows the sort of variation in um, evangelical Christian politics. 
so you see uh, very conservative leaders of those churches. You also see very um, uh, more progressive leaders of those churches. I know uh, there's a, um, a, a one study talked about um, uh, leaders who are traditionalists, who are centrists, who are modernists, and so I think people are getting a much more diverse uh, message about how to participate, uh, how to engage with the uh, secular society than they used to. Um, and I, but I think, and I think that there's more. Uh, interfa- interracial, interethnic interaction in many of those churches than we see in non-evangelical churches, non-big box churches, but at the same time the numbers are still fairly low. So, um, you know, I, I think the point to stress here is that it works both ways. You know, it, what I heard in my um, in, in my conversations with uh, the, inter- the immigrants that I interviewed for this book was that they very much wanted to be, become part of this country. The fact that they stayed connected to their homelands didn't interfere with that. Uh, it didn't mean that they wanted to embrace all parts of what they perceived of American values, so the materialism, the individualism, the consumerism, the lack of caring for your, the perceived lack of caring for your family, those were things that they wanted to stay away from. But um, uh, it, 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 they also were very much um, surprised and, and disappointed by the sort of reject, un- the rejection or the the welcome that they had thought was unconditional after particularly after September 11 turned out not to be an unconditional welcome so it's it's about how american you try to become and how american you're allowed to become well, and I've, so it really works both ways that's exactly part of one of my next question was was have you found that there are particular religious religions in the country that have been resistant to uh, uh, being changed by uh, the influx of immigrants into their churches? Has there been one or two particular examples of churches that have resisted more strongly? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't, I wouldn't want to single out okay. a particular uh, a particular denomination for being um, unhospitable. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, the point I'm trying to make is mm-hmm. a more general point yeah. that, um, you know, uh, People felt very much like uh, they were grateful to be here, the opportunities they got from being here, they knew they wouldn't have gotten in their homeland, and then, boom, you know, uh, wow, we better make sure that we have some um, backup plan because what happens if um, xenophobia and anti-immigrant sentiment gets even worse than it than it is? Mm-hmm. Do you have any reading on that right now? Do you think that it might be easing off a bit? the xenophobia and the anti-immigrant sentiment. In Orange County, it's kind of hard to make that judgment because we're we're home to some anti-immigration groups. Uh, We're we're near the border with Mexico, and there's always in the background. And there's a lot of huge communities here from from Vietnam and and elsewhere, Cambodia. And there's... what always makes the news is if there's some sort of tension between that community and and right, and right. Uh, you know the the government or whatever. But do you see any easing off in any of this? Well, I think people are tremendously frustrated about the inability of Congress to pass immigration reform, and what I see is lots of local level activity. You know. Um, Prince William County, Hazleton, Pennsylvania. There's a town near me, Marlboro, Massachusetts, that wants to get a local uh, office of the ICE um, in in that 
in that small town. And so, uh, you know, every day there's something in the paper about these kind of local-level responses to try to solve a a perceived problem that the federal government can't. So I don't, uh, I guess it doesn't feel like a particularly hopeful moment, but... um, I certainly have hope for the future in that respect. Well, you certainly see within the, the Catholic Church uh, a, a lot of um, support for for recent immigrants to this country. Yeah. You see, and I'm I wonder. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to impugn the uh, the motivations to, to too large a degree, but there is sort of a political uh, impetus for this in the sense that, especially here in Southern California, you've seen a tremendous transformation in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the uh, the amounts of Latinos that are now active participants, and you can see that very clearly in the amount of uh, priests. The new priests are almost, well, they're predominantly Latino coming into Southern California. You yeah. see a real transformation in that church. Well, there's a demographic imperative for that. I think the Pew Hispanic uh, Center uh, just did a study in the spring and predicted that in 30 years, um, half the Latinos in this country, half the Catholics in this country will be Latino. So there's certainly a demographic um, push for the Catholic Church to be much more receptive, and what you hear is this kind of um, acceptance of different ways to be Catholic, of allowing people to maintain their traditions, to continue to pray in Spanish, and um, and 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 I also see that I think among mainline event mainline Protestant churches to a certain extent, you know, you see a kind of continuum to to uh, mainline churches that really realize that you know they have a an aging population. I, I'm thinking of one. Um, uh, also Baptist Church that I uh, got to know through Writing God Needs No Passport, where they had an aging population. They, um, you know, they, were, they, they, they weren't able to attract younger members, and then um, uh, um, Brazilians came and wanted to be part of their community. And so there, it worked. It's a good, it's a win-win situation for yeah. both um, constituencies. So where, where's the dichotomy? Where, uh, on this, where where do you see this? We have sort of the political side, which which of immigrants and assimilation into the country, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of kind of very uh, angry, you know, responses on both sides of this issue uh, to to what's going on, and then you have this other side, which is the religious side, which is a, really about assimilation. It's really about incorporating people into what they're doing. How how does how do those things? Where do they come? <laughs> Where do they meet up? Where where do you, do you see that? Where's the happy ending? Take yeah, place? there you go. Where where where? How's this all going to pl- in your mind? How's this going to play out? And, and when you pull those two very different perspectives together, well, I think that you know this is a country that's always assimilated immigrants. We're a country of immigrants. That's a legacy that we should not uh, turn our backs on. We should embrace and we should strengthen. And we've also, we were founded um, on the principle of, you know, by people looking for religious freedom as well and religious pluralism. So, But but we're we're, we're also a country that's always vilified new immigrants. Aren't we? Yeah, but but For after a while, a while yeah. <laughs> those new immigrants become part of us, yeah. and you know it takes a, a yeah. while. Uh, it's there. You always have anti. Um, 
You always have detractors. You always have the people who say they're not embracing American values. But but I think that's sort of framing the discussion in the wrong way. The main point of the book is to say these are not becoming part of the United States and staying part of of other communities, be they religious communities or other national communities around the world, are not are not opposites. It's not a either or. People who are able to um, uh, bridge and and get past those polarities and not define them as uh, you know e- good evil uh, American not American, but people who are able to um, uh, live in two communities at once, uh, build bridges between two communities. Um, you know, be on the forefront of translating between those communities yeah. are, are, are leading us into this century, you know, into a successful, um, flourishing na- national and transnational community yes. in this century. Well, I, I'll just say one last comment on my part, and that is, it's it fair to say that we're, with this immigra- new surge of immigration, that there, we're on the wrong side of politics, but we're on the right side of history. Hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll ponder that. Uh, I have to ponder that. <laughs> okay. Uh, when I, I like what she said last. My All friend. right, I we'll just leave it. I, nice. I wish you'd have just kept your mouth shut. I couldn't shut, leave it alone. I was ready to cheer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we're on the right side of history. Yeah. All right. Uh, I like that part. All right. Uh, Peggy Levitt, I want to thank you very much for being here on Weekly Signal. The book is we- Weekly Signals. The book is God Needs No Passport, Immigrants, and the Changing American Religious Landscape. Thank you. It was my pleasure. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.